Love the Lord. We are apt to choose our own way, aren't we? God giving us the ability to choose was a very dangerous choice. But why did God do it? Because love can only be given by choice. It can't be given by compulsion. It can't be given by duty. Because if God makes us duty bound to love, then you'll never actually know if there is love there. It has to be a free choice. Obedience can be forced, but not love. It must be freely given. Today, Pastor Daniel echoes this idea as he begins the series Camp in the Book of Numbers. Throughout this study, you'll see how God always lets the Israelites choose if they will love and serve Him or go their own way. You see, God wants His people to follow Him because they choose to, not because He's making them. He wants you to be assured of His love and to love Him in return. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Numbers chapter 1 as he begins his message, The First Census. Let's open up in those Bibles to the book of Numbers chapter 1. Numbers chapter 1 as we begin our verse-by-verse study through the book of Numbers. If you're brand new to the Bible, now what's interesting about the book of Numbers, of course, is if you think about the first five books commonly called the Torah in Hebrew, which literally means the law, or it's called the Pentateuch, which is the five books that comes out of the Greek and the Latin, the book of Numbers As it relates to the Exodus narrative of the children of Israel leaving Egypt, it's fascinating when you realize that the book of Exodus covers, from the time that the children of Israel leave, it covers a year. The book of Leviticus covers a month, and the book of Numbers covers about 38 years. So if you think about the fact that the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, we learn the bulk of our information about those 40 years in the book of Numbers. So we get one year of just the deliverance and some of the things that went on at Mount Sinai. Leviticus only literally covers a month. It took us a lot longer to make it through the book of Leviticus, but in kind of the chronology of the Exodus narrative, it only covers a month. And we pick up in the book of Numbers, and it's going to get us about 38 years because when the book of Deuteronomy starts, the book of Deuteronomy is just a second telling of the law, and then it's time for the children of Israel to go into the promised land. Now, if you were to read Hebrew, you would know this book as Bab Midbar, which all of the Hebrew books are actually titled by the very first word. So Bab Midbar actually means into the wilderness, And that's how the Hebrew Bible would be uh, discussed. Our English Bibles call it numbers, and you're going to see why very quickly, because there's a lot of numbering of the children of Israel. There's a lot of arranging and organizing. 
And so the book of Numbers is all about God's people who are in the wilderness, how they got there, how God deals with them while they're there, and God's plan to bring them into the promised land. And so much of our Bible and so much of the book of Numbers is about the fact that the children of Israel weren't always keen to do things God's way. And we find them suffering the consequences for those decisions. And so right off the bat, the fact that they're wandering in the wilderness for 40 years shows us that it wasn't a 40-year journey. It was they had to be there for 40 years because they weren't willing to do things God's way. And we all realize that it can't be our will, but it has to be God's will that we want to get done. But we also all know that when push comes to shove, we are apt, even people who love the Lord, we are apt to choose our own way, aren't we? God giving us the ability to choose was a very dangerous choice. But why did God do it? Because love can only be given by choice. It can't be given by compulsion. It can't be given by duty. Because if God makes us duty-bound to love, then you'll never actually know if there is love there. It has to be a free choice. So God grants the children of Israel and us that same choice. And so it's very easy sometimes when you read the book of Numbers or you read the Bible, you say, oh, I can't believe they would do that. But that's, a not, that's not a quite a self-reflective way to read it. Because if we look at our own lives, although maybe the circumstances are different, we have that same propensity, don't we? We all have that same ability to say, you know, I know God wants me to do this, but I really want to do this other thing. And the book of Numbers shows a lot of the, the consequences that come from God's people knowing the right way, but choosing an alternative way to go. So let's jump right on in. The book of Numbers, chapter 1, picking up in verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tabernacle of meeting on the first day of the second month in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying... Now, I'll be honest with you, that's a pretty powerful verse if you think about it. It reads like an introduction, but it tells us who said it, to whom it was said, where it was said, and when it was said. So we get the who, to whom, the where, and the when, all in the first verse. Who's speaking? The Lord. To whom? To Moses, his servants. Where? They're in the wilderness of Sinai. In the tabernacle of meeting, when? On the first day of the second month of the second year after they came out of the land of Egypt. So we're going to find this, and the Lord spoke to Moses over and over and over again through the book of Numbers. And we've seen it a lot already, haven't we? That God used Moses as, in a sense, a mediator to share his heart with people. And I think it's important to realize that there is one mediator now between God and man. Who is that? The man Christ Jesus. Jesus is the mediator between a holy God and people like you and I, people who are, make mistakes, who uh, don't understand what's going on. We don't have all the answers. And Jesus is our mediator. But you also have to remember that we are also, in a sense, 
lesser mediators between who God is and the rest of the world. We're a kingdom of priests. And that's why we talk a lot here at Crossroads about how we carry ourselves. Why? Because your life and my life might be the only Bible that somebody ever reads. They may never pick up from Genesis to Revelation and read it and learn who the creator and sustainer and the covenant-keeping God is. They look at our lives and they say, would I want to follow who that person follows? And so we need to take the way we live our lives seriously because what we find from cover to cover in the Bible is that God takes our lives seriously. And I believe that we should say, Lord, do you have a word for people through me? I bet most of us have never prayed that. Lord, do you want to speak to somebody? You know what's funny when the Lord wants to speak to somebody? If God gives you a word for someone, it's never an angry word. Why? Because God's not angry with them. It's always a word that shows them how he sees them. It's a word that identifies their potential and who they are, robed in the righteousness of Jesus. It's never a mean word. Even when God is corrective, his correction is filled with such hope. Why? Because he's the God of all hope. It's filled with such love. Why? Because God is love. It's filled with such truth because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I believe God wants to speak through people. I believe he wants to use you. I'm shocked that he wants to use me still. Don't ever think that being a mouthpiece for God is reserved for a pastor. At best, a pastor is somebody who just decided along the way, God, can you use my life? At best. And then a pastor is no different than anybody else. All we have to do is come and say, God, will you let my words be few, but when, they, when I speak, can it be your word of truth that comes forth out of my life? I love that God speaks to Moses. He wants to tell the people. Again, it's in the tabernacle of meeting. And we learned about the tabernacle at the end of the book of Exodus. God gave them the specifications for it. And then they built it. And then the book of Leviticus is all about all the different things as it relates to the tabernacle and how all this stuff works. So they're in the wilderness of Sinai. They're at the tent of meeting. And sure enough, again, the first day, second month, on the second year after. And that's, remember, you get the time step. They left. Really, you have about the, the first year of this whole thing goes on and the end of the book of Exodus. And then Leviticus is a month. Now we're here in the second month. Verse 2. It says this. Take a census of all the congregation of the children of Israel by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names, every male individually from 20 years old and above who are able to go to war in Israel, you and Aaron shall number them by their armies and with you there shall be a man from every tribe, each one the head of his father's house. Now, here what you have is you have the command to take the first census. All right, so this is the second year, the second month. God says, take a census of the congregation of the children of Israel. Now, 
We recently had a census here in America. The idea here is there needs to be an accounting of who is part of the children of Israel. And notice there is things by the children of Israel, by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names, every male individually from 20 years old and above, who all who are able to go to war in Israel. So the numbering we're going to have is only men who are able to go to war, so they're above the age of 20. So this isn't a complete census. This is an army census. Now, to deal with the elephant in the room, and I think something that we don't like to talk about a whole lot, is that if you study your Bible, at some point you have to come to terms with the reality of the true and living God and the issue of violence. Now, isn't that a sobering thought? When was the last time you heard that you've got to talk about God and the issue of violence? But notice, he's numbering the number of people who are going to go to war for Israel. And we have to deal with the character of God as it relates to violence because there are often places in your Bible where God uses violence. Now, I know the easy way Christians try and get out of it is say, well, the God of the Old Testament is wrathful and full of judgment, and the God of the New Testament is gracious. Now, what's the problem with that reasoning? One is that there's only one God, and he never changes. And two, the cross of Jesus Christ might be the most violent act in the history of humanity, and that was God's choice. So God uses violence to further along his will. Now, that's a pretty heavy thought, isn't it? We do not want to try and whitewash or pasteurize the God in whose image we were created. I think sometimes we try and push these things off so that we don't have to deal with them because why would God use violence? But what we find is that he does at times. Now, the beautiful thing is God's heart is for life, not for death. But oftentimes, God in his justice still punishes rebellion. And oftentimes, he uses people. Do you remember when God gave his promise to Abraham? He said they're going to go to Egypt and they're going to be there for 400 years And then when the fullness of the iniquity of the Amalekites has come, then I'm going to deliver them. So really, God gave the Amalekites 400 years while the children of Israel were in Egypt. And then God delivered them. And part of God's deliverance was also to bring judgment on the Amalekites. You have the book of Jonah. What was Jonah's message to the people of Nineveh? 120 days, and we're gonna, this city's gonna get destroyed. Now, you know what's beautiful? We're actually gonna study the book of Jonah in the later fall on a Sunday morning. But see, Jonah came to preach judgment. Why? So the people would repent. And history tells us that the people did repent, and God stayed his judgment for over a hundred years. See, God's desire is not to use violence, but There are extreme times call for extreme measures. And God, throughout the scriptures, we do find God being violent at times. And I didn't want to just pass over it. Like, 
I've listened to a lot of messages on the book of Numbers, and almost never does the pastor actually address. Yeah, this is a, a numbering of the army of the children of Israel who are going to go to war. But that's what's going on here. God is giving the children of Israel the promised land, and that gift is going to involve violence against the cities of Jericho and Ai and a number of other places. And so it's something to be prayerful about. Now, does that mean that we should use violence ourselves? Well, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, right? See, God's violence on the cross was meant to be the violence that ends all violence. Because God gave his son the punishment for all of our mistakes. See, the cross being the most violent act of God and of humanity is actually the violence that ends all violence. Because all, every single human being, when they come to the cross of Jesus Christ, should say, I can no longer be violent because God inflicted all of his wrath on his son in my place. And who am I to inflict more wrath? We often don't think about the cross in these terms, but we should. Do you realize that the cross of Jesus Christ truly fixes everything? Whatever your struggle is, if you find yourself at the foot of the cross and you let God speak and minister to you through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I believe that you will find everything you need for life and godliness right there. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I desire to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, this was a man who was so angry at the followers of Jesus that he went and imprisoned them. He helped Stephen be stoned to death and not stoned with weed, but stoned with rocks to death. I got to clarify. I mean, we're in Washington. I read an article. They're calling Vancouver Vansterdam. But I digress. The cross is where the action is at. But don't miss that God secured your salvation through violence. But a self-inflicted violence that brings life to all who would believe. Now I realize I opened up a big can there. But when was the last time you said, God, I want to understand your love as it relates to violence? It's a deep well for us, but I believe we need to be there. Not only that, this also teaches us an important principle. And I think a principle that's by and large lost is that when God redeems a people, he doesn't redeem us so that we go on spiritual vacation. God delivers people from slavery and bondage, and then we find ourselves in a spiritual battle. It's not like the children, okay, you're delivered, now Cancun for you guys. Resort town. No, he's like, look, I need you to be a proactive witness. And you know what happens in 21st century America is that it's so easy for churches to, we're just going to cater to everybody so it's kind of like Christian Disneyland when really God has saved you so that you can be part of the church militant. Not a militant church that is violent, but a church that is using love as a weapon to see people come to know God and be radically changed by a spirit, but it doesn't happen when we sit on soft pews with nice climate-controlled sanctuaries, and everyone's like, serve me, serve me, but I don't want to do anything. Serve me. 
And we have a whole culture in America that's like that, and the church has grabbed hold of it, and we need to fight against the current of ease and comfort and say, God, I am going to serve you. My friend, brother, sister, you need to find yourself with your sleeves rolled up in the work of ministry. You need to find yourself there. Because most people who struggle with the things of their faith is because they're not doing anything. You can only consume so much without turning it loose in helping the world. I'm here to tell you here at Crossroads, we have needs all over the place. It's amazing to me in a church this size that we struggle to have enough ushers and greeters and group leaders and kids ministry workers and all these things. How is it possible in a church of many thousand that we're like, we don't have enough people in kids ministry? How is it possible? Now, I get everyone's got job. I'm not, I'm not trying to condemn everybody, but don't miss the fact God didn't deliver them just so they could sit around and hang out in the wilderness. Hey, we're on vacation. But he said, look, I need you to go to war now. And I'm here to tell you that there is a battle that rages every day for the souls of people. And I'm here to tell you the enemy of humanity is all in on that battle. We see the signs of that all around us. And I think what's interesting is that they number the army so that they can take a true inventory of who they are so that they can count the cost to go into battle. That's part of what this is about. And I think for many of us, we do not take the time to do a personal inventory and say, where am I vulnerable in this battle? Where do I either overestimate or underestimate my spiritual strength and resources? We have to take an honest account of who we are so that in the battles of life that are inevitable, they're not chosen, they are just there, that we find ourselves strong and more than conquerors through him who loved us, as it says in the book of Romans. So tonight I want to encourage you to take an inventory. Where am I exposed? Where am I weak? Where am I easily defeated? And say, God, I want you to help fortify those areas of weakness. As a church collectively, as Crossroads Community Church, how can we be more engaged in the work of ministry? How many of us could say, hey, I want to be involved in going for the care ministry, and I want to help in this ministry or that ministry, or hey, I'd like to lead a group, or I'd like to host a group, or I'd like to do this, I'd like to do that. God wants the whole family of faith, what? fully engaged. God delivers the children of Israel so that they can go out to be a part of the battle that's ahead. And I'm here to tell you, God wants you to be engaged in the battle that is all about God's love, his grace, his goodness, and that message not only reaching where you live, but the ends of the earth. Every single nation, tribe, and tongue beginning right here. When was the last time you sat down and took a good look at your own personal strengths and weaknesses? Today, Pastor Daniel invited you to do just that. You learned that the Israelites took a census of their people to help them get ready for battle by understanding what they were working with and identifying their vulnerabilities and strengths. In the same way, God wants you to be prepared for the battles that you'll face. 
Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks so much for tuning in today. It's such an amazing honor to share God's Word, and I love seeing how God is working through this ministry. Would you partner with us? I'd love for you to join us in sharing the message that Jesus is real by being a prayer partner or financial supporter. Find out more by visiting our website, jesusisrealradio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will remind you that God is faithful even when you aren't. You'll be encouraged to wait for him to show up for you in spite of your doubts. Pastor Daniel shared that taking things into your own hands never ends well and leaves you in a more difficult situation than you started with. You'll see that when you wait for God, he will be faithful to come through for you at just the right time. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Camp. Until then, may God bless.